The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and it has often cast him into a fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus looked at him by the, Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciple asked, asked him privately, "Why could we not cast it out?" And he said to them, "This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer." The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning again. I do see several new faces, and so here's my invitation. Regardless of your age and your background, I, I am convinced that there's a nugget or two for each one of us in today's passage. So I just invite us to have open hearts and minds as we prayed just a minute ago. And with that in mind, I'm going to say one more quick prayer, and then we'll dive into this passage. So please bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. So this year, really since January, We've been making our way through the book of Mark, or the gospel of Mark in the New Testament. And we've been asking, who is this Jesus, and why should I care? And so here we come to this story of this boy who's, who's struggling with an epileptic kind of situation, and a dad desperate for help, and, and uh, it's kind of a, a harsh, even dark passage, and we're, we're going to look into this passage, but before we get into that, I want us to look into our own stories a little bit. And so I want to ask a reflective question as we begin. Have you ever run into trouble and not known where to turn? I see someone laughing. Have you ever run into trouble and not known where to turn? Our family has a little tradition, which is at the end of every school year, we make our way for several days up to the mountains of North Carolina. 
Anyone else do that? Anyone vacation in the mountains of North Carolina? Raise your hand. Yeah, so we go to this area called Cashers, and we stay on this lake called Lake Glenville. And um, sometimes, especially if it's dark, it's hard to get up to this place. And uh, this last summer, we were ready to go, and, and I left a little early, and Carly and the kids, they were behind me. And uh, my GPS, it took me there. I, I got there. I didn't get lost. Well, I kind of got lost, but the GPS redirected me, and I made my way to this teeny little cabin on Lake Glen Glenville. And, and I got a call from Carly, and she says, hey, babe, I, I actually am a little lost. And so we talked through it, and she's like, oh, and I, I almost ran out of gas. And she, she had to find a gas station way up in the mountains, which is difficult for, right, for some of you that are from there. It's very difficult. And uh, an hour and a half uh, diversion later, she's making her way into Cashers to Lake Glenville, and all of a sudden, it's a road closure sign. Now, here's the problem. She looked at her phone for her GPS, and she was out of cell range. You ever been there? And the sun was setting. It was getting dark. And these are roads that have sheer cliffs on the one side. So it's kind of scary to drive in these roads at night, especially when you don't know where to go. And some of you who've been with the DI Fellowship a while know that my wife might be directionally challenged. She's maybe almost flipped a Suburban in a ditch, backing up and turning around. Can I get an amen, Caden? Okay. So listen, she found herself in this predicament, and our kids were in the back, fully trusting and patient with her, right? So she says she, tr she tries to call me. She can't get me. She's out of cell range. She doesn't know what to do, so she starts backtracking, and then starting, she starts taking random roads. Good idea? Maybe not. Blaze, our, our middle son, said no. No. Emphatically, no. So... Next, uh, next the story goes, she pulls over to the side of the road, she's looking at her phone, she's doing this, right, trying to get cell service, and uh, that really works. But anyway, this woman drives up and stops, and she's in a beater. You know what a beater is, like a beaten up old vehicle? Like kind of a scary vehicle you wouldn't want to drive. This woman's in a beater, she rolls down her window, Carly looks inside, and there's a little dog next to uh, this woman, and the woman's sitting there smoking a cigarette. One of our kids says, yeah, she has piercings like in her nose. And she says, oh, honey, it appears you're lost. And Carly's, yeah. And, and she says, well, where are you trying to get to? And Carly gave the coordinates, the, the kind of the, the address, right? And she says, oh, you'll never get there without help. Why don't you just follow me? And so Carly they start following. My family starts following this, this woman through this mountain pass, loop-de-loop. -loop, and uh, out of nowhere in the back, Sailor says, Mama, do you think she's an angel? And then Caden, of course, corrects the, the daughter or his sister. Angels don't smoke, Sailor. <laughs> and then, a, like a good mother, how do you know the angels don't smoke? When have you met an angel, Caden? And they made it. They were a little delayed, but they made it. And this kind of story, this illustration points to a bigger truth that we see in our passage today, which is this. The essence of faith is found not in how hard we try, but how true we trust in the love of Jesus. 
I think that's the overriding truth, the big takeaway, the big idea from our passage. The essence of faith is found not in how hard we try, but how true we trust in the love of Jesus. And over the next few minutes, we're going to look at some essentials of faith and see how these apply to us here and now. So let's do that. Point number one, faith begins by acknowledging we're not in control. We read, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, meaning Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing with them about? And someone from the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. So, little backdrop, backstory to our passage. We've been making our way through the book of Mark, and um, a couple weeks ago, I preached on the beginning of Mark 9. This is the middle of Mark 9. But at the beginning of Mark 9, Jesus, his disciples are pretty discouraged. So he invites uh, Peter, James, and John to go up into the mountains, go up on this mountain. And in that encounter, it says there's this huge spiritual awakening, like a cosmic event where Jesus is, quote-unquote, transfigured. His clothing, his body is made as white as snow, like lightning. It illuminates the sky, and then there's Elijah and Moses. And we looked at this passage, and, and we learned a couple things. One, we're invited to follow him. Two, we're invited to understand him. And three, we're invited to trust him. Not turning off our brains, but actually turning on our brains. And we looked at this passage that said, all the promise of, promises of God find their yes in him. So that's the backdrop. And, and so Peter, James, and John, they're on a spiritual high, maybe like some of our students are on a high. And they're walking down the mountain with Jesus, and they walk down literally from lightness into darkness, into a combative, like, fighting scene. And this passage was so powerful that actually during the 1500s, it was commissioned to be painted by the great Raphael. And I have a picture of the result of that commission by the Catholic Church. If you look up here on the screens, you'll see at the top, that's a picture of the transfiguration and the use of light. This is during the high renaissance of the Italian age. And it would be said that this was Raphael's most beautiful work, his most divine work. He worked on it for four years, from 1516 to 1520. And in fact, he died an early death. But it, was so, it meant so much to him, and it was so beautiful, that they left it at his head as he lay there dead for several, uh, several days. Uh, it was such a popular painting that Napoleon, the great Napoleon general, stole it along with other works of art, but it's since been recovered, and it now hangs in the Vatican, the Vatican Museum. It's a huge painting on wood, 150-some inches by 100 inches. And you see in the painting, you see the brightness of the mountaintop 
But then you look below and you see the darkness. You see the finger pointing. You see the cries for help. You see the little boy in what looks like agony in the lower right-hand corner. You see, when Jesus and the insider disciples came upon the, his other disciples and the scribes, they were fighting with one another. I think it's fair to say it was a combative scene. You see, back in those days, a man sent by another man represents the man himself. And here's what's happening. The scribes, the religious leaders, were in a fight with some of Jesus' followers saying, you're a fraud, and more than that, this Jesus is a fraud. And in walks Jesus. And the crowd kind of explodes. So it's a combative scene. It was also a desperate scene. We read in the other two gospel accounts of this event that the dad actually drops to his knees as we read about in Matthew, crying out for help. And in Luke, he says, this is my only son. Can you please help him? A combative scene, a desperate scene, and yet all parties had run out of answers. Now I just want to stop here and ask this question. Can you relate? Have you ever come to a point in your life where you've run to the end of yourself and all your answers and everyone around you doesn't seem to have a solution either? Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a job. Broken dreams. Crushed hope. And all you have to do is turn and say, help. And even then, you don't know who to turn to. Faith acknowledges, point number one, we're not in control. Point number two, faith acknowledges we're not perfect. The story goes on, and they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has it been happening? And he said, from childhood. And it's often cast him into a fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. You see, the, the boy's physical state revealed the father's spiritual state. The father, through life, had come to a point where he didn't know who or what to trust. And again, maybe that's you as you sit here today or as those who will listen to the sermon later, as you listen to this sermon, maybe that's you. You don't know who or what to trust. Can you help me, Jesus? Can you show compassion, Jesus? Now to lighten this up a little bit, let's go back to my story about North Carolina. We've been going to this Lake Glenville for several years I'm told it's the highest lake east of the Mississippi, okay? And it's crystal clear, it's deep, it's so refreshing. And this summer when we got there, and we, we got our little goggles, we walked down to the, the, the dock, 
And my middle son, Blaze, who many of you, he, you know he's tough, right? You've seen him bloody, you've seen him muddy, you've probably seen pictures. But he's not always the bravest of sorts. And he says, Dad, I'm not getting in this summer. I was like, why? He goes, sharks. <laughs> he's here on the front row. Sharks? Sharks? In Lake Glenville? He's like, yep, I've read about it. I was like, where? Where have you read about sharks? He goes, I've heard they go up the Mississippi. Bull sharks and they bite people. I'm not getting in that lake. <laughs> and I even asked him last night, where'd you hear this? And he said, books. I forget the name of the books, but he read it in books. I said, so, okay, let's play this out. How did they get up into this highest lake east of the Mississippi? Streams? Rivers? And he was convinced. He was convinced. And he's like, I'm not going in there unless someone goes in before me. And actually, the bravest of our kids is in, in these kind of situations is Caden, uh, our oldest. So Caden says, I'll go in. And dare I say, I think our daughter, who's younger than Blaze, went in next. And finally, Blaze jumped in the water and was safe and wasn't eaten by sharks. Praise God. <laughs> and in fact, here are some pictures from our little trip. There's Blaze jumping in backwards. And here's Sailor doing her pose, and, and here's the captain, Caden, doing his pose. You know, and, and coming back to our passage, unfortunately, the boy in our story is in a much dire situation. There's nothing his dad can do to convince him or to heal him or to help him. And so what is the dad left to do? The only thing that's left, which is cry out to Jesus. The scripture says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief, Jesus. Point number two, faith acknowledges we're not perfect. Point number three, faith acknowledges, excuse me, that all things are possible through Jesus. The story goes on, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them um, said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up. And he arose. Two things jump out to me about this particular uh, element of our passage. Number one, the compassion of Jesus. And number two, the power that backs it up. But before unpacking those two points, I just want to say, for those of you, like I used to be, reading scriptures like this, you'd go, is this real? Good and evil? Light and darkness? Demonic activity? And I want to say emphatically, yes. Prior to moving to Charleston seven years ago, I ran a professional counseling hub in New England uh, out of Greenwich, Connecticut. And right as we were leaving um, to move down to Charleston, we had a client who was sent by an Ivy League professor to get help with us. And um, this young man was dealing with demonic oppression and probably uh, possession. The, it was borderline out of control, and we had Ivy League professors 
medical doctors, pastors, and our own team dealing with the situation. It is real. It was real then, and it's real now, especially on the front line of mission. And so that's what we see here with the dad. The boy would be thrown down in these epileptic states and be beaten up. And that's the way the enemy works, to destroy you and to divide you, to crush your hope right then and there. And so this word compassion, any, any people that have done any biblical scholarship will know that this word's a very hard word, and it's hard to translate. It means the very depths of some person's soul, the very reserves of who they are, and literally means their intestines. Jesus, if you can ache for me in the very chambers of your soul, if you could help us, please help us. And for those who've known pain, known that level of pain, you know what that cry is like. Whether you've cried it for yourself or whether you've cried it for a loved one, I am torn up and I need help. Would you help me, Jesus, with that depth of love and that depth of compassion? And Jesus says, yes. And what's amazing about this passage, in early chapter 9, you see the words of Jesus. You know, you see this kind of cosmic spiritual high, and then you see the action of Jesus. Light invading the darkness. Goodness invading evil. Again, to lighten it up one more time. This summer, my mom turned 70 years old. And, and, and in fairness, we've run out of gift ideas. You ever gotten to that point with loved ones? Like, what do we keep buying them? You know, candles, whatever. And uh, flowers. So this year we did something I thought was cool, and I, I think it was cool. We, we chose, each one of our family members chose one word. And, and we called my mom. And we said, on behalf of Blaze, here's his word. And, and Blaze would get on the phone and say, Gigi, that's her short name, Georgiana. Gigi, here's my word for you, and here's why. And I chose the word loyalty. My mom's wicked smart. She's got her doctorate. She runs her own firm. My mom's beautiful. My mom's merciful. But this summer, as I was praying about it, what word could I reflect back to her and gift to her? It was loyalty. Why? Because throughout my life, I know, I knew and I know now that no matter what I'm facing, she's there for me. And she's not just there for me like a little teddy bear. Like my mom's fierce in her love. There's nothing that my mom wouldn't do for me. It's compassion of a parent backed by power. Literally, she would run through a wall. She, she'd do anything, and Carly corrected me. At this age, she, she might try to do something, but she'll get others to do it too, you know, if she can't do it herself. She'll recruit someone. And here's the point. Might it be that God himself, the creator of the very cosmos, is for you, is loyal to you, and is calling you to trust him and trust in his compassion and to trust in his love today with whatever you're facing. Again, earlier in Mark chapter 9, we didn't read it today, but as Jesus was leaving the mountaintop, there's this booming voice from heaven which said this, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. 
So if you want to know God's heart for you, look to Jesus today. Faith acknowledges that all things are possible through him. Provide some clarity. This isn't like a Disney movie where it's like there's a lantern and you rub it and you get three wishes. What this is, it's an all-powerful, all-loving God that says, through thick or thin, life or death, I have your back. Trust me with your all and your everything. Have you ever gotten to the point in your life where you've done that? Maybe even right now, are you facing something that's calling you to do that? To say, I've come to the end of myself. It's been combative. It's been desperate. It's been dark. Help me. So in summary, the essence of faith is found not in how hard we try, but how true we trust in the love of Jesus. I believe. Help my unbelief. You just need a morsel of faith. Why? Because he's faithful. And he'll answer according to his beautiful love and his power in the way he sees fit. Might not always line up with what we want. So my challenge or invitation is this. Trust him today. Kids, students, as you're going back to school, trust him today. Couples, trust him today. Singles, trust him today. Young, old, trust him today. If you have an ailment, cry out to him today. If you have a division, a lack of reconciliation with someone you love, trust him today. Cry out to him today. If you're struggling with an addiction, help me for I can't help myself. And I want to close with this, this quote about faith from a theologian I respect. True faith is always aware of how small and inadequate it is. The father becomes a believer not when he amasses a sufficient quantum of faith, but when he risks everything on what little faith he has. When he yields his insufficiency to the true sufficiency of Jesus. True faith takes no confidence in itself, nor does it judge Jesus by the weakness of his followers. It looks to the more powerful one who stands in the place of God, whose authoritative word restores life from chaos. True faith is unconditional openness to God, a decision in the face of all to the contrary, that Jesus is able. Let's pray. Now, as we enter this moment of prayer, I just want to say, if you're feeling called to trust him today, I just simply invite you to put your hands up, upward facing, in a posture of receiving. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray on behalf of this community, on behalf of every individual here, that you would search us and know us and see if there are any anxious or fearful whatever thoughts that would divide us from you, that would keep us from turning to you. We turn and trust you today, Jesus, with our struggles. We cry out and say, help us. We believe, help our unbelief. 
We pray in his name. Amen.